so you tripped going down the stairs in the barracks. Oh, hey there. You decided to come back. Well, welcome back to the Grumpy PA Podcast. Welcome to episode one of the Grumpy PA Podcast. I'm Paul. Today, we're going to be talking about the gap between PA school, DCC, and Bullock, and what happens once you actually arrive at your unit, right? So I know my experience at PA school, DCC, and Bullock did not prepare me for the unit. They prepared me fantastically uh, to, to have my clinical stuff ready and to be able to, to see patients and, and treat patients and evaluate patients. But there's so many other things that are required of an Army physician assistant that they just don't have a chance to talk about. Sometimes it seems like you're so busy, you don't really want to bother the guy next to you. You don't want to ask him a billion questions throughout the day. So I thought we'd chat today about you would tell us, Grumpy, when we were first showed up right out of school, if, if you were that senior mentor that we were able to, to grab a hold of and, and see for the first time right when we got to our new unit. That's that's solid, Paul, man. I think that's a great topic. And it really gets to the whole point of why we're doing this podcast is uh, the, the opportunity for some of us older, grumpier guys have been doing this for a minute to kind of tell you what we learned the hard way. Uh, and because we, we had a similar experience coming out of school, you know, we, we didn't want to pester people, you kind of want to get running on your own. But over the last 10 years, man, I've learned some hard lessons, things I'd love to, to share with you. Um, you know, as you talk to older, uh, grumpier PAs, uh, beyond the 10 years that I've got in, you'll hear the 20 year experience, the 30 year experience. And I think what you'll find is you'll hear a lot of the same thing over and over, regardless of the age group, uh, as you kind of move your way through those. So, um, but it's a huge topic and, uh, but I definitely think we can whittle this down to a couple key points for you here. So, uh, where to go first, I guess would be the question, um, I guess the first thing I would tell you guys is, is it gets better, but it, but it also stays the same. Uh, really? So. That's going to suck, man. Like I am getting my butt kicked day in and day out. And I know the guys around me are doing the same thing. Yeah, no doubt. I I, I believe it. I see it. Uh, I know I, I, I wander through clinics and I talk to you guys and I, I see that same look of defeat and disgust and hurt on your face that I remember seeing every morning in the mirror when I would get up uh, when I was doing your job. Uh, so, but, uh, let, let's, so let, let's start off with the, how it gets better. Uh, so the first thing I would tell you guys is that you're, you're fresh out of school and this is kind of your first opportunity where you're running a clinic by yourself. Um, now are you running the whole clinic? It really depends on where you are. If you're still kind of doing ba- battalion aid station stuff. Yeah. You're, you're really kind of running things yourself. You're trying to figure out how to manage the intake and the, the, the HPI and the physical exams and the treatments and the follow-ups and those kind of things. If you're embedded within a, a clinic, you're still kind of running your own clinic because you're, you're responsible for your entire panel that is effectively your unit. Um, and you probably aren't very good at it yet. Uh, just, just a simple fact, unless you have a whole bunch of clinic experience about how to cram notes into Alta really quick and get through a whole bunch of people effect, uh, efficiently and effectively, um, you're, you're going to learn that in your first few months out of school. So having the entirety of the care plan being your responsibility, uh, you're probably digging into up to date more often than, than you need to or should be, but you're seeing a lot of things for the first time on your own. And so you, you don't really have the confidence yet that you're treating the shin splints the, the best possible way. You don't have confidence that you're not missing something. That, and so you're worried and you just want to go back to up to date. And I'll be frank with you, man, that first few months out of school, I was in up to date so much. I had so much Kaplan CME stored up. It was out of control. Uh, so, but with that, uh, it, it, maybe you have that experience. Maybe you worked inside the clinic uh, in during your shadowing time. Maybe you spent some time with the force comp PA. And, but if you didn't, man, your eyes get wide really super quick. 
Well, so, I didn't really get a chance to see Forcecom PAs. We got two weeks in the clinic when I was in, at uh, phase two. And, you know, it's it, that school environment where they give you all of the let's go see the patients and make sure that you're up to speed on taking care of the patients. And you miss out on all that other tracker stuff and all the other things that we have to come up with and, and that they're actually required to do TCONs, uh, you know, stuff that they don't want you to do as a student because you're supposed to be there learning medicine. You're not learning how to be an army PA. Yeah, that's absolutely right, man. And, and those are the things you're going to get better at is as you improve your efficiency once you start figuring out, once you've seen a, an a, an atraumatic knee pain for three weeks, uh, about the seventieth time, you're not you're not looking up the best. You you've developed your own practice pattern at that point. Once you've seen the nausea, vomiting, diarrhea a, a thousand times in one morning, you you got it. You stowed that away, and then you're moving on to other bigger problems. And uh, you figure out how to copy and paste notes. You get faster and more efficient with it. And, and it's just things are going to get better in that regard. Other, other ways it gets better, maybe you show up to an understanked brigade combat team and there's a bunch of BAs missing and you're covering multiple battalions. Well, they're going to get there eventually. HRC is going to sign them. They're going to show up. Um, or maybe you get the opposite of that. Your your things are about to get bad for you when uh, you show up to a full unit and everybody PCS is out that summer and there's like two of you left covering the entire brigade. Those things get hard, um, but it, it's doable. It's it's capable of being done, and you'll see that um, you, you'll you'll get better in that regard to the point where you've got a system down. And that you can you can burn through 20, 30 patients in a sick call morning or or in a clinic day. Pretty good. Sure. Management. But what I'm scared about is missing that guy that's got something that's actually going to kill him. Right. So, sure, I see knee pain day in, day out, low back pain. You know, I, I can puke out a low back pain note in five minutes. But what happens about those those kids that come in and, and are truly sick and, and needs needs more help than that? Yeah, no, and and you and this is where we talk about your discipline as a provider. You're you're spot on there because those people still scare me, and they are still out there. You know, you put your patient demographic in there. Uh, you know, you you've got a great a, 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 a healthy population of young people that works out too much, they have too much sex, they drink too much, but generally they're they're healthy. They're they're hard to kill. Uh, but they they still have problems. You know, young men get testicular cancer. Young men and women uh, can get osteosarcomas. They have uh, hokum, you know, they, they, all these subcategories of things that go on and you really got to keep your radar up all the things that you've learned about, you know, you, you're looking for the red flags and you're providing appropriate follow-up to find those things. And, uh, I, we used to have an instructor that taught in, uh, IPAP that told us, uh, he said, Hey man, malingerers die of heart attacks too. And, uh, that, that's, that's legit, man, they do. And so if you put that into what we just talked about, malingerers get a uh, heat stroke, they get uh, osteosarcomas, they have hokum, you know, like they come to you at, the night before a division run and they're like, man, I can't run tomorrow. I've had this pain in my leg. Well, that might be an osteo and you really need to keep your, your guard up and make sure you stay disciplined as a good provider, or you're going to miss those kind of things. And, and I'll give to you this as well, that there've been times in, in the 10 years that I've been a provider where I'm really the only advocate caring for a, somebody who's really sick with a very angry chain of command for whatever reason that they, they've got it set in their mind. This person's malingering. Maybe they are a little bit, but they're still sick. And so you got to keep that in mind and, and keep that discipline as you, as you move through this. So it sounds like you're saying it will get better at some point, mostly because I have to get better though. 
<laughs> some some of it is you have to get better. Um, the the other thing you can sit and you can sit on your hands and hope uh, that the system's going to get better. But the simple fact is that this uh, this big green machine that you work for has been working this way for a long time, and so what you're hoping for is some of us older, grumpier people to have some success moving in a direction. And so. Um, what that direction is, is debated. If you're, if you're ever bored, you want to sign into one of the grumpy PA, uh, sessions and listen to us complain about the different things. Um, th there's a lot of background to them. You'll hear a lot of different stuff, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> if, if we go back and we talk about how things are, are going to say the same, that's, that's really what I tell you. The, the workload's not going to slow down. The, the simple fact is that, the, you're the primary care provider for the, the Army warfighter. There's nobody else. The, the MedCom uh, considers units that have PAs and medics assigned to them to be the responsibility of the PAs and medics. They'll provide you the space, but you're going to be doing the health care. Uh, so that that's important for you to kind of come to grips with and understand that as much as uh, you need to get better is recognize that it's never really going to slow down. Even if you're really super efficient, then the people that are avoiding coming and seeing you at sick call because you're busy are going to be like, oh, it's not as busy. And so you're going to get down to this next layer of patience that's out there that you're looking for. And I, I think that's another great point there is this these layerings of patients. You know, there's there's the top layer that's going to be in sick call every morning, no matter what, uh, whether they're sick or not, whether you need to see them or not. They'll be there. You're going to see them. You're going to know them. You're probably going to start remembering their Social Security number. Um then there's this next layer that's only going to come and see you when they're really sick. And then there's this other layer that they're really sick and they're not going to come see you because, man, that's an infantry staff sergeant. That is a, a very proud young man or woman who's like, I ain't going on profile. Um, and you need to be on the lookout for them. And sometimes you're going to catch them. You're going to end up taking care of them at a location you're not expecting. And the, the location that surprised me was uh, just a few months out of school. I was manifesting for a jump at Fort Bragg. Um, I was just a PA. It took it took me forever to get out of clinic. Every time I had to jump was like a 72 hour nightmare to shut down the clinic and go manifest partially because of the way the 82nd does things. But um, all of a sudden, like th this next layer of patients was over. They're like, hey, hey, sir, I got this problem. You know, can we talk about this? And I was like, yeah. And at first I was like, oh, man, come see me in clinic. And then I realized, oh, what a great opportunity to, to see these guys and take care of them, really get down and see these guys where they're working and where they're hurting. And, and I use, you know, green ramp and jump manifest as the example, but that's the rifle range. That's, that's field training when they're out in the field. Like you need to try to get there. You need to go out and see them where they're training, where the, where they're at. If they're all in the motor pool, hanging out in the motor pool, Hey man, make your way over to the motor pool and just walk around, talk to people. You'd be surprised what comes up and talks to you and, and how much work you can get done in those environments. Yeah, man. So I had a similar experience. I, I definitely started carrying, you know, the, the army standard of having a notebook in my pocket, right? I make sure that I have one because I go wander around the battalion building, the the headquarters, and I always walk away with five to 10 people and I, I write their names down, but I also tell them, hey, send me an email real quick. Uh, and that way it'll remind me when I get back to the clinic and we can dig into whatever you've got going on. And sometimes that's a quick, easy follow-up. Sometimes it's a med refill, but sometimes they've got real problems that, that I end up chasing down further and and maybe i walk them into the clinic uh, and piss off the front desk lady uh, and sometimes i just work it out on, on the backside. um but i've definitely found some more sick people and and been more available by walking around those division headquarters or, or battalion buildings and, and seeing more from that 
No, I, you're spot on, man. I did the same thing. And, and just be wary here. If you say this the wrong way to the wrong old grumpy PA, they're going to be like, you can't do medicine outside of a series 500 building at clinic. And, and I generally will agree with that, uh, with, with a couple exceptions, and we won't get into them here. Uh, not the least of which, though, is that I do medicine in a tent with no internet connection. I'm pretty sure that I'm, I'm a, it, I can do it in these other environments. But the point of it is you want to take the best possible care of your patient. And so even though you might be interacting in a surprise, interacting with them in a surprise hallway consult or a green ramp consult or out at the rifle range, wherever it is, um, usually I would, you know, I'd do the same thing you did with a notebook, but I come back in and drop a TCON in. And I'd be like, hey, man, I, I, I ran into this guy out here. I talked to him about these things. They're going to come back and see me in clinic. And I was trying to create the healthcare record for him that, you know, I was interacting with him. Now, somewhere along the way, someone from the clinic is like, that's not a telephone consult. And I'm like, yep, thank you for your value added input. Uh, I cared more about creating the 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 healthcare record. I'll take that that one from the clinic staff. That's like, you're doing TCONs inappropriately. I'll be like, yep, got it. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, I don't think that you're going to see me necessarily alter my practice pattern uh, due to that. But um, th these are some of the things, you know, like, like I said, you're a new PA and then all of a sudden somebody's barking at you about putting in a TCON, which you're like, it seemed like the best way to take care of the patient the right way. I get it. There, there's all kinds of other things that come with that. And that's a loaded topic, but that's what I would give you. And I'd say, keep it up, man, keep that notebook around. And, and uh, you know, I, the other things I used to do, I kind of keep my profile tracker in my, uh, I'd kind of knew my MEBs uh, nearby, whether in a, a binder or folded up in the little green leaders book, whatever it was. And that's because I get, you know, ambushed sometimes by a company commander, first on team that's like, what's going on with this MEB? And I'd be like, hey, this is what's going down or whatever it is. But you're going to get to know your patients better, your whole patient panel uh, as time goes by. And that, those are great ways to do it. All right. What else have you got for us? Well, uh, I think another big thing that I wanted to talk to you about and tell you is that uh, I, I had a little uh, four-part realization over the first few months out of school that uh, that kind of hurt my feelings and kind of helped me understand things. And so I'm going to share just four tidbits with you real quick and then talk you through them. The first one I'm going to tell you is that your OER and your ORB are the only things that will or will not get you promoted. Um, it doesn't matter what else you're doing. You, you got a superhero badge you're wearing. Uh, you you got best friends with this person or that person. It doesn't matter if your OER and ORB are tight and meet the standard for promotion. That'll get you promoted. And and what that means is the OER and the ORB are the only things that the promotion board really looks at or or cares that you have. And really within those, the only thing that the the board, the twelve people that sit on the board, care about is what your senior rater says about you. And I say that because they only have about one to two minutes to review your entire packet. And, and so that means they're looking at six OERs and your ORB and then whatever else they want to that's in your more bottom, your, your my board file packet. Uh, but that's really all they have time to look at. So if those things are tight and they say good things about you and you look like the profile of somebody to get promoted, you'll get promoted. If not, you won't. And so the backside of that, though, is your senior rater is the senior rater of your average Army PA that graduates school is probably an infantry, armor, field artillery, or engineer, lieutenant colonel, probably a battalion commander. And they don't speak or care about what RDUs are or dimmers eye. They don't care about any of that. They speak Army. They speak MDMP. And so you kind of got to learn to understand their love language and how to speak to them and make sure that they understand what you're providing to their unit as far as medical readiness and providing a medi ready medical force. Uh, and then I would, the other, the, this part that makes me sad uh, is that uh, you can be a not very good PA and have really strong paper. 
And when I say you can be a not very good PA, I mean, you can not be taking the best possible care of your soldiers. You can be doing things that aren't in their best interest, not not caring for them the way that they need and still have an amazing promotion pack and get yourself promoted. Um, so that becomes some personal discipline, discipline police as far as you being like, no, I am responsible for the health care. There are very few checks on that health care other than peer colleague reviews that are looking for meeting the basic standard of care. Maybe your raider is your brigade surgeon, your doc, and they're putting some comments in. But again, the promotion board might not even see those radar comments. So if those radar comments aren't that great, they might not even get to them in time-wise. Um, there's some instances where they will get to them, and I'll, I'll, we'll talk about those more a little later. But the bulk of it's going to come out of your senior raider. So if you are if you snow your senior raider and they just think you're, you're the greatest thing ever, but they have no idea what you're doing in clinic, um, that's a bad scenario. So, but what I will tell you is the very best PAs that are out there maintain that personal discipline about providing appropriate, timely care for their, their soldiers. Uh, and then behind that, they can manage the clinic. They understand their staff and special staff functions and they interact with the battalion, their units and their commanders. And then they're really good at medic training. So if you, if you hear that, what I'm saying to you is they're really good at providing the ready medical force and keeping the force medically ready. And uh, that's, that's what the battalion commander needs. That's one of their, their um, love language kind of things. So, but I've got like 10,000 people coming to sit call and clinic. I just can't make it out, man. Like, it, it, you know, I struggle to, to pull off, uh, you know, one day of training a month. And when I do it, stuff always comes up. There's always somebody that, that's calling me. I'm, you know, my phone's blowing up. Because today is COVID, and we've got a new case that that's going to change what we're able to do and who what the the battalion wants to do next week for that training event. That's even more important than my medic training. So how do I fix that? How do I make that senior raider love me? Hey, uh, you remember that part where I said uh, some things stay the same, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm kind of joking, uh, but we, no, absolutely. So so step one is is like I said is uh, keep keep your nose down and keep working working that grindstone. Um, know that this this is work. It's hard work being a, a unit PA with a big panel because those people are going to keep coming. And you're going to the, the knee jerk, the daily knee jerk of the army, the force comp, the corps, the division, the brigade, you're going to experience those. And so um, as you get further along and further away from graduating PA school, a couple of things are going to happen. One, you're going to get more comfortable with having a conversation with your senior raider and being like, hey, I, this is this going to be hard. Here's the effects. Uh, uh, two, you're going to get a little salt on you and understand how to manage those things. Um, but the best possible thing you can do for yourself is go and communicate with your battalion commander, go and communicate with your XO, your staff, the people that are, that are pulling your chains those way. And, and you got to learn to speak their love language. If you just walk in there and say, ah, I can't get out of clinic. All they hear is you can't manage your time. Uh, and that's not necessarily true. They, they're thinking a lot of different things, but if you walk in and you say, Hey, sir, I will drop everything I'm doing all this week just to do this one little thing. But here's the risk associated with it. Here's where we're going to lose the medic training for this next eight weeks, next quarter, whatever it is, if you force me to shut down. If you have me pull all the medics out of the aid station that I've had on the training calendar with you for this long range training calendar, and all of a sudden today you want to cancel the training, here's, here's what's going to happen. And when you start speaking to them in a language that they understand, which is kind of that, that love language, that army language. When you say, hey, the risk associated with your medics not, a, not knowing how to do this procedure, not keeping up on the skill, is that your medics are going to get reclassed to something else because they didn't do the training or 
they're going to stand over an American soldier in your formation that's going to die that could have lived if they would have done the training uh, or, or spent the time getting good at the skill that I'm providing. And, and I don't mean to be melodramatic there. I, I really I mean that when I when I say, hey, people people are going to unnecessarily die. That's really what we got to be focused on, because we're we we are the function that provides life saving care on the battlefield to get our people home, get them stabilized back to where they can get to the definitive care that keeps them alive. And if we're not good at that, when we start stacking body bags that don't need to be stacked and that that makes me sad. So so learn to speak your battalion commander's uh, lingo. And, and some of this, I, I hate to say this to you, man, because I know you're not going to like hearing it. DCC and Bullock and captain's career course. Those things, I'm not going to sit here and tell you they're the greatest courses ever and you're going to get so much out of them, but you need to be proficient and at least understand the language. Like if you don't, if you can't speak MDMP, if you don't understand the eight week training calendar, if you don't under, if you don't see the value in you showing up to a training meeting or a command and staff once in a while, start there with your question about how to fix it. Behind that, uh, get, get in there and really figure out, you know, if you're in an airborne infantry battalion, I promise you all your battalion commander wants to talk about is ranger, 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 explosives, the range, uh, breaking things like that's what that that's what they're there for. That's what the army has them to do is to be good at moving a battalion in a direction to cause uh, to, to do war things. And so if you can't speak intelligently to where the medical piece fits in that. Uh, from the training side, the garrison side, the theater side, then then you're doing yourself a disservice. And I, I used to joke that, you know, now that I'm at a different place besides Fort Bragg, I say that uh, your battalion commanders, uh, where, where we are now, all they care about is horses, cowboy hats, and, and spurs, uh, and driving tanks. Uh, but it's the same. It's the same thing. They're, they're very focused on their craft. They're very good at their craft, and they need you to provide something to their formation, which is battlefield medicine and the health care of their soldiers. Little interruption here. Just want to caveat. You hear me mention the, the the book Love Languages a couple times. Obviously, I'm joking. I don't expect you to walk in and, and just give your commander words of affirmation and gifts and think that that's going to get you what you need for your medics. What I'm talking about is speaking intelligently in a language that they understand and that they like to receive information in. Uh, the military, as you know from your DCC bullet times, Captain's Career Course times, we're probably talking about MDMP type talk and risk management, risk stratification those things. I like to tell medical folks, like you can compare that to medical decision-making as opposed to uh, risk management on the outside. But nevertheless, what, I, what you need to know is you need to understand what our doctrine says about what we need to be able to do, and then go back and talk to the, your command and these other people that are yanking your chains and use their own words to help them understand how you're trying to manage your time and how you're trying to train your medics. And that means getting on a training calendar. That means scheduling stuff out eight weeks in advance is talking about task conditions and standards. It's talking about the crawl, walk, run methodology of training, and then bringing that all to bear and helping them understand this is why I trained this task up front first. And if you cancel it, we're in a whole heap of trouble and all the way down the line. When you can do that, then you're the better off. The The underlying story there that we talk about, you guys, every, everybody wants to complain about DCC and Bullock and Cap's career course. And, and I'll give you my bias. I taught the career course. I get it. But you can show up to that course and be a bump on a log and sit there and be a grumpy kid that you have to be there and that this is dumb and you've got it all figured out or you can make the best of it. Um, not once did I have anybody come through my course who literally knew everything and all the doctrine. Uh, and so 
take those opportunities, go to those courses with a little objective, a learning objective. Like I want to figure out what exactly is the doctrine uh, on role one, role two care. And, and, and if you've got it all figured out on the army side, pick up the, the, the joint doctrine and pick up the NATO doctrine. Cause a bunch of you guys have been out there on NATO missions out across Europe or into CENTCOM or PACOM and uh, uh, with other partner forces. So be, do, do yourself a favor and go to those courses with goals and, and, spend that time learning rather than just being a grumpy pants uh plenty of time to be a grumpy pants when you're all done with those courses and come back out and start making podcasts but why should i bother man i mean they're they're just gonna give that top block to somebody else you know why would they waste a top block uh on their pa when they've got three infantry captains running their companies uh and, and who need that promotion instead of me so it's and that's that's a reasonable topic to it comes up every time we get together and talk about this. They're like, I'm just fodder for these other guys. Well, no, you're not. And I'll be honest with you. The the good battalion commanders and brigade commanders that we have out there in the formation understand what it is to develop their officers and they know where their good officers are, regardless of their branch. And I will tell you that uh I've got plenty of ACOMs and MQs given by infantry folks that I was right next to a bunch of their infantry officers. So first understand the rating chain. As, as a captain in a battalion, you're being senior rated by the battalion commander. The other captains that are being senior rated by that battalion commander are not his company commanders. He's rating the company commanders. The brigade commander is actually senior rating the company commanders. But the, the battalion commander is senior rating the primary staff officers. So the S1, the S2, the S4, the S6. And uh, those are not necessarily branches that are putting out people that understand this either. They're not, they're not super good at speaking the commander's love language. Like the signal officer to talk the commander's off, uh, ear off about uh, this signal problem and this cable, that problem, and all the commander knows is that the network's down and he's pissed off because the radio doesn't work. Well, if, if that signal officer can't speak the same way to fix the problem that you're talking about fixing the problem on the medical side, that, that's who you're competing against. And I've, I've been rated, and, and the, the other grumpy PAs out there will tell you they've been rated very well against the battalion staff. I, I, at times in their careers, you'll see a PA rated as the number one staff officer in the battalion. And you, may, you might be like, I'm not a staff officer. Well, time out, but you are a staff officer. You're a special staff officer, and you have a clinic function. But you're also responsible for getting that medal by the year if you're lucky enough to have them. And make sure that that battalion's getting the tactical planning that it needs to provide appropriate health care on the battlefield. So that's that's where I would tell you that is like, don't don't kid yourself that um, just because you're not infantry or just because you're not a pilot in an aviation brigade or just because you're not a tanker in an armor battalion that you're going to go to the bottom of the list. I, I personally haven't experienced it. I do know that it happens. I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen. I question the the strength of that and part of the reason i question the strength of how often that that happens like whether or not it's it's truly a phenomenon that's worthy discussing is because i i crash into my battalion commander's office as soon as i get there like within the 30 days required by regulation i'm in his office within a week or two his or her office and i'm like here's me here's what i'm here to do for you here's the path i see forward what do you want from me what what do you need me to do for your battalion and it might be the things that are already on my list. It might be other things on my list. And then I just stay in touch with them. And I stay in touch with that commander by coming to officer PT. I stay in touch with that commander by intermittently coming to uh, command and staff and training meetings when I'm able, because I recognize like I can't get out.
shut down the clinic all the time to come to your, your impromptu spurious meetings. Um, but I need to be at some of them. I need to come and make face. And, and uh, a lot of times PAs are like, no, I'm just the PA. I'm just going to be in the clinic. Well, okay, man, that's, that's, you know, don't be mad, still do great healthcare, but don't be surprised when you get back that, that cannon fodder uh, OER uh, and you're like, but I did such great work. Well, if the commander doesn't know you, like, <laughs> what do what do you expect out of him? What do you expect him to rate you as? All right. So I guess it comes down to what is the cold, hard truth? How do I get promoted? What's the promotion board looking at? And what does my packet need to look like? All right. You were out digging in the yard with that question and you hit something and it's bubbling up through the ground. It might be oil or it might be the septic tank. And so I'm just going to be frank with you. Um, this topic can go on for a long, long time. And I think it's actually worthy of its own podcast episode. And we'll get into that. Uh, for those of you listening out there, you want to know the real deal. I do encourage you get out there and get to HRC. There's about an hour and seven minute long video. Quick correction, that time's 47 minutes. The link to it is in the show notes. And there's about 15 or 20 minutes of it that is on CSL select stuff, which uh, you won't care about until you're a promotable majors, but otherwise a great video. So do get to it on the board process. And uh, if you watch that video before you listen to the promotion podcast that we'll add in here later, that'll help inform you, understand the board process. And then I don't have to waste the time uh, explaining in the podcast. I will very briefly go over it. Uh, but that, that video actually, I know an hour and seven minutes of your time sounds like a lot and you're like, that ain't worth it. Uh, actually very, very useful, uh, as you're approaching promotion boards to look at that. But for that purpose, rather than dragging out this particular podcast for a long, long time, we'll just rent, uh, wrap this one up here. I'll get that uh, promotion podcast out with pandemic Paul here in the very near future. And we'll wrap this today. Hopefully you picked up some great tidbits here within this podcast, understanding kind of where you are in your first few months out of PA school and what you're doing in the aid station. I wish you luck. I hope you do great things for our army, for your soldiers, and for yourself in taking great care of them. And we'll talk to you guys soon. 